welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the Blue and White Brothers. Two brothers. Two takes. One team. You recorded that sound. Yeah, that was from the that's the new little new intro uh, from the whiteout last year. Yeah, um, I remember you recorded some vault stadium sound. sounds. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, great. what are you doing with your phone? I'm like, trust yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. <laughs> heck of a, oh, heck man, of a game. Here we are. Here we are. Do you know um, week zero of college football is less than a week away? It's that's it's so like five weird. days away. It, five it was days like, away. It was like not close enough like just very recently and now it's almost like oh my gosh how did it happen so quickly <laughs> i know it's like it probably happens like this every up on single this. year good yeah good, yeah for right. sure i'm happy for when sure. it comes every single time and it never comes quick enough until that last week then it's too fast and i'm like oh my gosh and before you know it it's like the season's half over <laughs> don't why why ruin it <laughs> well we're six and zero at this point so who cares <laughs> Well, um, you know, I think part of why it's going so fast is because life has been kind of crazy for both of us. Um, I know it's been pretty crazy for you um, just in the last week since we recorded. Uh, what have you been up to, Tom? What would you like to share with our Blue and White family? Well, so I, um, I just hiked the Wind River Mountain Range in Wyoming. I hiked uh, a, a route, an off-trail orienteering route called the Wind River High Route, and it traverses multiple uh, high alpine passes throughout the Wind River Range, um, multiple 13,000-plus foot peaks, and um, very difficult, very strenuous, very rigorous, extremely, you know, taxing on the body, um, expert level type of, um, travel across, uh, you know, different types of, um, you know, terrain from glaciers to snow fields to, you know, giant talus fields. Um, as far as the eye can see, incredible pristine Alpine lakes, um, not a day hike with your family kind of thing. No, a hundred miles of, of like, you know, one of the most difficult routes uh, in the lower 48, for sure. And I did it in about six days with a couple buddies. Um, and yeah, we what, popped. why were you rushing through it so much, bro? I had to get here to record this episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. I am exhausted. Uh, I got sick halfway through with a, with a bit of a, a head cold uh, cough um, and uh, tweaked my knee a little bit. But you know, I, I overcame that uh, slight uh, scary, by the way, at the time, injury. Had a couple of almost issues um, in, the, in the boulder fields with massive boulders nearly um, shifting and uh, basically slamming against me and pinning me against um, other boulders. So... Um, definitely a, a high consequence uh, route if you are not up to the task of, you know, uh, paramount safety. Let's put it that way. Speaking of being up to the task, that is basically the the key question that we have for Penn State going into this initial, uh, you know, time frame before the first game is: Are they up to the task? And we're about to find out. Um, we're going to be talking about the defense today. And um, before we get into that, I want to just remind our, all of our listeners that um, we want to share the Blue and White Brothers love. If you love the Blue and White Brothers, want to just invite you to share that love with your friends, uh, other Penn State alums, people that that you know might enjoy uh, 
you know, enjoy a podcast with two kind of semi-crazy people <laughs> and and uh, talking about Penn State football. This is, you know, we pride ourselves on being a fan-focused podcast. We we try to get into the details, but we, we come at it from the love of Penn State football. If that's why you love the podcast, you know other people love Penn State football, let them know about it. We'd love to share it um, with our, uh, a growing Blue and White Brothers family. Um, one of the ways you can do that if you uh, feel embarrassed to share your love of the Blue and White Brothers podcast <laughs> with your friends and family, you can just write a review. And the nice thing about writing a review is like you just put an anonymous name. No one has to know it's you, but you can tell people that you like Penn State football as uh, told by the Blue and White Brothers. Uh, yeah, so write us a review, give us a rating, um, help other people find us. Um, bro, uh, any any um, any thoughts as we're approaching the first week of college football? Are you going to be trying to watch any of those initial games? Are you going to be trying to uh, snatch Notre Dame and Navy? Are you going to try to catch any of number six USC against San Jose State if you can find a way to watch the Pac-12 network? Because that's what it's on. What Are you, are you going to just watch it? Are you going to be available to watch it? What's up? I am probably not going to watch Navy, Notre Dame, at least unless I happen to already be in front of a TV by happenstance. I will not adjust my hiking schedule or life to fit around the Navy Notre Dame game, even though it's in Ireland. So no. <laughs> so no. Well, I'm going to be watching it. Most people know I'm a, <laughs> I'm a Notre Dame, uh, sort of, uh, spouse of a Notre Dame fan. Um, I enjoy watching Notre Dame with, uh, Eileen who, as you all learned last time is also my wife. Anyway, um, Eileen is a Notre Dame fan, and um, so we will, I think we'll be watching that game. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to that first little taste of college football. You know, NFL preseason's already on, and um, I, I'm getting I'm getting that I'm getting that itch, man. I'm getting that itch, that Saturday itch to say, "What's going on? Where's my football?" Yeah, yeah, it's coming. Um, and, and of course, the NFL preseason is all, already happening, so that's already you know basically uh, flooding the endorphins of, of, of excitement for football. Um, yeah. Did you see uh, Sean Clifford? Sean Clifford's uh, throwing yeah. his second, uh, second game as a, uh, a Green Bay Packer. Yeah, I did. I did. I, I mean, I didn't watch it, but I did see some, um, you know, headlines about it. Um, apparently, you know, he didn't make it, commit any turnovers this time, but he hey, also wasn't able to. He wasn't able to finish the game um, with the team because the because the game got cut short due due to an injury on the field. Um, so we're still, uh, you know, we're, we're, a I hope that player is okay, and B, you know, Sean Clifford appears to be making strides, uh, you know, on the on the Green Bay um, yeah, depth chart to it to basically I think maybe can secure his second um, string, uh, you know, mo- name hey, uh, as a I Green mean, Bay Packer second string quarterback. NFL backup quarterback, there are worse things to be doing with your life. Um, uh, well, so football is on our doorstep, and uh, Tom and I, we're excited about it, and um, we've already gone through the offense. If you haven't uh, had a chance to listen to that uh, preview of the offense, uh, go go ahead and listen to that. I'm excited about the offense, but uh, Tom, you are excited about the defense. Um, I remember that opening show yeah. when we were talking about it. You know, the defense is the thing that you're most excited to see. And so we're going to be talking about the defense. That's all we got this show. There's no news and notes. There's no um, other segments, just, just talking about the defense. And so let's dive into that. And um, 
why don't you just give me a sense of your take on where the defense is coming into the season from where we were last year. It was a great season last year. Maybe you need to remind folks about what was so great about last year, but what are some of those strengths, those those key pieces that are coming back that you think is going to make this defense uh, as exciting, perhaps even more so than last year? Well, I think what's important to note is that we have Manny Diaz back in his second year at the defensive coordinator position. So Manny Diaz came on last year after our, or, you know, two years ago after our bowl game, after he was fired, um, you know, from Miami as the head coach. So Franklin picked him up quick and he had to like, you know, um, learn on the job in a hurry with a whole new roster. And, and what he did last year, you know, in, in, uh, in, a, in the short term, was basically take a defense that, um, while you know having some great pieces, uh, he took a defense to the next level. Uh, Penn State's defense to the next level. You know, he, he got the most out of his linebackers. He, you know, basically created a new position in the Prowler. Um, he bas- he led Penn State to the most sacks in the Big Ten last year. So we had a very disruptive defense, and we had a, a defense that was uh, you know, get, getting to the quarterback quite a bit. So what can Manny Diaz do with this defense that returns a ton of star power, but not a lot of leadership? So what can he do with that star power that is lacking the already in place leadership? So basically these stars that you know performed without the um, need to be leaders, they now need to step into those leadership roles and perform at, at least the levels that they were last year to basically take Penn State to an elite over the top, over the hump as we've been wanting to see defense that is elite nationally speaking in and of course you know if, you, if they're one of the best defenses in the country they're obviously one of the best defenses in the big 10 uh even though we do have a michigan and ohio state in our way you know we could potentially uh be one of those defenses that you know, you know can stop one of the better offenses in the country like a michigan and ohio state so that's what i see happening this year and the pieces are in place yeah it's, it's interesting because um the way our um non-conference schedule has lined up over the last few years, we really haven't had a chance to see how we stack up against some of the big teams outside of the Big Ten. And being in the Big Ten East, you know, it's like, hey, we're great until we hit Ohio State and Michigan. You know, last year against Auburn um, and the year before that against Auburn, it was like, hey, we really took what we thought was maybe a really strong SEC team and and locked them down. But guess what? Actually, wasn't that great of an SEC team and didn't feel like it was right. a great test. You know, this year we've got West right. Virginia, you know, regional rival, um, but not projected to be one of the better teams in the country, much less even in the in the Big Twelve Conference. So, um, you know, that darn Big Ten East. With those two other teams yeah. that we, you know, it's, it's it's hard to keep talking about them, but it, you know, I mean, when two of those teams actually make it to the national championship playoff, it shows you the quality of team that you're you're up against. So, um, yeah. yep, you know, so um, I, let's talk a little bit about expectations, <laughs> okay? Um, last year Ours the defense. Or- or the medias, or the teams. Whose expectations? Ours. Our expectations. Um, okay. All right. Just making you know, sure. 
I would say last year, I mean, we can talk about the media expectations because they shape our expectations and, and um, you know, the, the, the fan base's expectations. But I, you know, I guess what I'm, I'm getting at is last year, we didn't really have a whole lot of expectations for the defense. We didn't know what we were going to get. Um, you know, we had some hopes, but I would say expectations were uncertain. Now we kind of know what we're getting. In fact, last year, the defense was one of the highlights of the team. It was one of the most uh, fun parts of the team to watch. And so now what are we doing with our expectations? Um, what are you doing with your expectations? Are, are you kind of sort of setting them so that they will sort of be where we were last year, maybe a smidge better? Or are you setting your expectations now even higher because you know where things were last year? Well, you know, let's remove uh, the position of quarterback and the position of uh, offensive line out of the equation. Yeah, well, um, I'm talking specifically about the I, defense. No, I know. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm getting there. Give me, give right, me a second right. to Just frame sure. this up. All right. <laughs> okay, so, frame so it up. Franklin, over over the years, when we are heading into a new season. We talk about, oh, what are our weaknesses? You know, and, and one year it was like, oh man, you know, do we have a wide receiver that can step up? And boom, Jahan Dotson becomes a superstar. And and then it was like, oh, last year was like, oh, do, do we have a li- any linebackers that are gonna step in and 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 like you know, we, we look thin at linebacker without any any real uh experience, and then boom, linebackers became a, a strength of the defense. And yeah. and so for this season, you know, with losing uh, you know, a cap. Captain, defensive tackle, um, and and Tig Brown, who was a do-it-all kind of you know g- gadget player and a stud safety. These are these are some questions we have about leadership and those uh, individual positions. And in my opinion, and my belief, and my expectations are these holes that we think we have. Franklin plucks them. He he does it. He 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 figures it out. And and like you know, even last year, like oh man, what are we gonna do at running back, dude? We pulled in two freshman running back uh you know commits and and they performed at an elite level as freshmen i mean you, you couldn't have asked for more point. out of a at two <laughs> you freshmen. make a very good yeah. point yeah and so so what i'm trying to say is i trust franklin when it comes time to 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 um you know shore up any holes he figures it out and plugs those holes it's been working and and, and of course as, like i said re- removing the quarterback position removing the offensive line all these other holes he has been plugging you know, quite well as a as the CEO and head coach of this football team. So, so I trust Franklin and now Manny Diaz to do that. Yeah. So it sounds to me like you're saying you you're expecting that the the presumed concerns are actually not going to be concerns, and they'll figure out a way to make it work. And what we'll actually get out of this team is a build on last year, considering all the other strengths that we have. Is that is that what you're saying? I mean, every. Well, you know, our our uh, blue chip ratio is higher than it's ever been, and and which essentially equates to what everybody is saying and is factual is that this is Penn State's most talented roster, and it's yeah. deep. So, so basically, yeah, I mean that I expect that. Basically, I expect that these players, yeah, yeah we have we have <laughs> yeah. coaches at every level on the defense, positional coaches at every level on the defense, barring, you know, Dion Barnes, which is, it's his first time uh, being a positional coach. Um, You know, Manny Diaz 
tons of experience as a DC and head coach now. And um, Terry Smith is basically a de facto, uh, you know, assistant head coach. Anthony Poindexter uh, has been a defensive coordinator and has been up for um, head coaching positions. So we, we, the defensive side of the ball is loaded with, you know, experienced Coaches, coordinators, even Stacy Collins, the special teams coordinator, is a positional coach for the linebackers, and he has a ton of he's what twenty five, I think twenty five plus years of coaching experience in college. So, so these guys are are you know know what they're doing, and and I truly uh, expect them to perform at an at an elite level this year. I think they know what's what's on the line. I think they know what's at stake, and I think they I think they know what's expected of them, and it's time to deliver. Well, let's break down um, the individual units, all right? Um, get to know some of these players that we're going to see, some of the key contributors, some of the folks we hope will be standout stars, and maybe some of the, the folks um, that are going to be some uh, backups, you know, maybe on the depth chart, but in fact, we'll, we'll make some big contributions nonetheless. So let's start right up front with the defensive line. And, um, you know, one of those key areas that um, is lacking some returning uh, leadership is the defensive tackles. And um, now we we have some experienced guys there, right? Um, but the question is, do we have uh, the leadership and do we have the, um, you know, the skill set to actually take a step forward in the center of the defense there right up front? Um, those projected starters are uh, Hakeem Beeman and Devon Ellis, And then some of the key backups you're going to see uh, are likely going to be Zane Durant, Keziah Izzard, and Jordan Vandenberg. Um, what do you want to share with folks about your what you've been hearing about these guys, what you remember about these guys' contributions from last year, what you expect to see from from them this year? Well, I think we've seen flashes from just about all those guys um, throughout the year and throughout their careers. Um, and for what it's worth, uh, Jordan Van... Is it Vandenberg or Vanderberg? I think it's Vandenberg. Vanderberg. Um, I have Vanderberg. Is it Vanderberg? But- well, okay, if Vander uh, Vanden, say so. Jordan, we apologize. Oh man, I hope we didn't get it wrong. It doesn't matter. Um, it's one of so, the two. <laughs> uh, for what it's worth, he just recently, as of what yesterday or today, um, uh, or maybe a couple days ago, landed on Bruce Feldman of the Athletics Freaks list. And we know we've had some guys in the Freaks list before. Um, we 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 you know Saquon certainly landed on that Freaks list uh, to name. Uh, you know, probably one of the biggest freaks we've had over the years. But um, Jordan uh, Van Derberg landed as the 15th ranked freak in national college football, <laughs> which is insane. So, you know, and it's this exciting is exciting to have that, a guy you know, like that on your defensive line, year. right? Exciting to have a guy like yeah, that on the defensive it, line. And it's just another uh, another defensive player that we have taken from the JUCO ranks. He came from an, uh, uh, a JUCO college in Iowa. I'm not sure of the the name of that school offhand, but you know. And yeah, here we are taking South him. South African and he native, is, actually. Right. He, he originally right. from and, South and Africa. So basically, he cut. He comes uh, from a bodybuilding background, so he's a he yeah. is a weight room stud, and a, and and a, and even though you know he, he I think he benched what like uh, yeah, four hundred and fifty five pounds. I think he like I forget all the numbers offhand, um, but it was pretty he, insane. He he also um, is light on his feet and moves very well. Has very great footwork. Uh, I think quick, he ran burst, something like a he, four seven five forty as well, something like that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, for a dude that's 6'3", 300 plus pounds, that's lightning, you know. Um, so from the defensive tackle perspective, uh, perspective um there is a lot of ground to make up that that is probably the 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 positional group um that has the most to ground to make up from where we were last year to where we can be this coming year the biggest gap going into the season i mean everybody's talking about it It, yeah yeah well and one of the reasons why everyone's talking about it is michigan last year when we gave up mm-hmm. over 400 yards rushing, I mean, it's embarrassing to even say that number. I didn't remember how bad yeah. it was until I went and looked it up earlier today. Um, I think it was 418 yards that we gave up. And I, that's not all in the defensive tackles. I mean, like, where were the linebackers? Where were the, you, you know, I mean, p- poor angles and all that kind of stuff. Um, not shedding blocks. It's not just the D tackles, but it, it definitely is the place where the run defense starts. It starts in the defensive yeah. uh, line, the right in the they center. Set the tone. They set the tone. And so yeah. I think, you know, the trenches always set the tone. Yeah. And I, I also, you know, I was reading some articles that said like, you know, these guys are kind of, kind of ticked off at, at the rep they're getting. And they're kind of, they're out to prove themselves that they can be a strength of the team. I like that. I like that they're hungry. Um, They've been hitting the weight room, you know, apparently pretty hard according to some of the coaches. And and so it'd be really nice to see a a positive development. Um, Even as much as we are going to miss BJ Mustafer, if if we can have a stronger center of that defensive line, uh, that would be a huge step up for this team and it'd go a long way toward helping this defense get even better compared to last year. Yeah. And it's, and it's also, you know, Dion Barnes first um, opportunity to um, produce results on the field. Now as the, as the, you know, his first year uh, being the positional defensive line coach, uh, he already has passed his first test with the, with, you know, getting some guys in the recruiting um, world to commit to Penn state for the 2024 class. But now it's time for him to, you know, you know, make it count on the field. And that's where it matters the most is wins wins on Saturdays in the fall. So, you know, not, he's a defensive end by trade. He was a Penn state defensive end. He was drafted in the NFL. He was a defensive end in the NFL, but I'm, I'm curious how his coaching with that background translates to the defensive tackles. So um, it'll be interesting interesting to to watch. We'll we'll see how, how that works. Yeah, uh, well, let's let's move over to the ends and like on the defensive line um, of the two main positions, it's the defensive ends at Penn State that are getting all the attention because we've got some real superstars there, some superstars in the making there. Another Feldman freak uh, is there in Chop Robinson um, and, and the projected starters. Again, it's hard to know how you want to call these starters versus backups, especially on the defensive line. There's so much rotation, but the projected starters, I think, are going to be Chop Robinson and Adiza Isaac. And then right behind them will be Deny Dennis Sutton and then uh, Zariah Fisher. Um, I'm I mean, Vanover, um, those guys are, are sort of right, um, right behind those guys, and, and they'll be playing a lot of football. Um, all of these guys are very big, very fast, very athletic, and um, not the kind of guy I would w- want to line up across if I were on the offensive line. Yeah. No, no they definitely are carrying, uh, you know, basically all of the expectations of the defensive line are, are resting in these edge rushers. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that 
that because of how good they are on the outside, it actually might give the, the opportunity for the defensive tackles, which are very athletic and explosive and strong and quick. It actually might force the offensive lines to to like maybe overcommit to blocking these defensive ends, and maybe these defensive tackles can you know squeak through some some gaps. And and so I think that's maybe like one of the the biggest upsides of having you know a, a deep defensive end rotation um, that there there's no drop off between one, two, and three on, at defensive end, and the this deep defensive tackle rotation can stay fresh and basically maul the inside side of, 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 you know, these offensive lines that we're going up against that that's kind of like how I see it possibly playing out is, is being these, these offensive lines being overwhelmed by these edge rushers. Just, you know, I mean, chop Robinson was getting to the, almost getting to the quarterback so many times yeah. last year yeah, and, totally. and he just takes his game up a notch and actually starts getting to these quarterbacks. Then they're going to have to ca- account for that on, on almost every play. And it, it'll be it's it's exciting to know that you know maybe we have some guys uh, at, at end that are gonna live up to some of the Penn State greats like uh, possibly Cor- Courtney Brown who has the most sacks in Penn State history and and uh, deny Dennis Sutton is wearing the number thirty three which is how many sacks that Courtney Brown had in his career and <laughs> yeah. um, you know Chop Robinson is a projected you know he was I think he was the, the top rated freak on Bruce Feldman's list at, at, at maybe three or five or something like that. And um, I, he possibly has the opportunity to be a top 10 draft pick um, from, from the defensive line. And what, what, when was the last time Penn State had a first-round draft pick from the defensive line and offensive line? That oh, would that, be a, a very – it might be a first. 94. Be a first. Maybe 94. Well, who was the we, defensive did, lineman? Actually, I don't no, know. No, we, yeah. no, that was I'm completing line, that with 99. T- 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 um, Kyle Brady tight end. Um, uh, our uh, Jeff Harding's um, maybe Marco Rivera, but uh, Kajana Carter and Kerry Collins were the five, I think, first round draft picks that we get, we had that year, I believe. Yeah. And I apologize. So, someone's car alarm is going off outside multiple times. <laughs> well, call the police at least. But I mean, think about that. If it, it's been nearly thirty years since we had, um, you know, maybe multiple, uh, maybe not multiple, uh, for that many first round draft picks. Yeah, we have the, a defense that could produce Curtis uh, Jacobs could be uh, could be a first round draft pick if he yeah. plays with his hair on fire this year. Chop Robinson first round. You know, uh, it, it, um, it, it just it's it's the whole team is loaded with talent. Yeah, you know, Kalen King. We're not even there yet, but first rounders are up and down this whole yeah, roster totally. defense. And let's not forget um, on the defensive end, uh, Adisa guy, Isaac. Someone out here just keeps blowing their horn. I am so sorry, everybody. Ah <laughs> uh, man, um, let let's um, let's not forget Adisa Isaac. You know, I mean, he's a guy that came in with tons of potential. He'd been beset by injury. Um, then because of injury, sat behind some guys for a while. And, and um, you know, last year it seemed like he finally started hitting his stride. This could be his year to finally live up to his potential. And, um, you, you know, I, I really hope that we've got um, a ferocious defensive uh, line and, and love to see what uh, Deion Barnes is able to do with that whole line group. A quick note about the line before we move on is that we do have some injury issues. Um, Smithville Gilbert is out for the season. He's a defensive end. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Alonzo Ford, defensive tackle, uh, transfer from Old Dominion. Um, 
uh, he is also uh, out for the season. Um, you know, the defensive line is crucial in giving the linebackers what they need to be successful as well. And so let's turn to the linebackers, probably one of the most exciting units on the team. I mean, they're all exciting. They're all exciting, you know, but like when you just when you're getting excited about Chop Robinson, Adiza Isaac, um, and the rest of the defensive end, then you got to think about the linebackers, Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs, weak side, strong side, and then either Kobe King or Tyler Elsden in the middle. Um, and, and we're hearing some really interesting things about Kobe King and the progress he's been making. I mean, you've got the potential to have, you know, two to three nationally, uh, and you know, nationally ranking linebackers, like easily, um, you know, at least first round draft picks in, in Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter, if they have the kind of years that we think they could have. Um, you got some good backups too, including uh, true freshman, Tony Rojas, who's been making all kinds of waves, waves in camp. I'm really excited to see, uh, him play. Um, what do you make of these, uh, linebackers and, and their importance to the team and what they can do for this defense? Well, um, you know, I think you know, so. There's all these lists out there. They're like, oh, the defensive line is one of the top five in the country. The the secondary is one of the top five units in the country. But I personally believe, you know, with Manny Diaz being the linebackers coach and the defensive coordinators, and with the 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 types of you know talent that the that we have at these linebacker positions. I mean, Kobe King is apparently coming into his own and really starting to 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 be confident for, in the middle linebacker position. He had, I think, a hundred less snaps than Tyler Elsden Elsden did last year, and he produced uh, quite a you know substantial stat sheet com- compared to Elsden. Uh, he was maybe just a, a, a tick below him in total tackles, but but he was making disruptive plays, and he was you know. I think, you know, as a first-year contributor from a, um, you know, it, it was a redshirt freshman last year, I believe. It, you know, now he's a redshirt sophomore. He's a twin brother of, uh, you know, a, an elite talent in Kalen King. I mean, they share genetics. There's no reason why this guy, <laughs> Kobe, can't p- perform to the same types of, um, you know, <laughs> abilities as his brother. And and if he is able to push um, for, you know, starting at middle linebacker, we might be looking at a linebacking unit that is, you know, as good as those years of Paul Puzlesny, Dan Connor, uh, who was the third guy those years with Paul Puzlesny and Dan Connor. I can't, oh, uh, was it Tim Shaw, I think. Um, and then, um, and if I'm wrong on Tim Shaw, I apologize, but, but really what I'm thinking is that that year we had, Two All Americans and Brandon Short uh, and and Lavar Arrington and um, Mac Morrison. Those guys were lockdown linebackers. And I know we kind of run a four two five more so these days than we did in the traditional Joe Pa four three uh, uh, four days. Um, but you know, it, it, you're good. They're going to be keeping um, Abdul Carter, elite talent. Uh, you know, number 11, Stick City, Lavar's old number, Micah's old number, Navora Bowman's old number, Brandon Bell's old number. And, you know, <laughs> Curtis Jacobs is overshadowed by Abdul Carter, who was only a, you know, he's a true freshman last year. But Curtis Jacobs is, is a complete package. 
Um, and he elected to come back and forego the draft where he, I, I guarantee he would have been drafted last year, but now he has the opportunity to, sh- you know, showcase in a fully developed, um, you know, linebacking unit in the second year of Manny Diaz, knowing how to use these talents. Uh, and then he gets to sprinkle in um, the, you know, um, the talent that's coming in as true freshman and Tony Rojas and Tamir Robinson, who are going to, you know, be the next LBU um, fill-ins that are going to just, you know, continue to carry the torch. We basically I, I, are, I want to, there's real, no, there's real, no holes in the depth. <laughs> yeah, I, I, exactly. Um, you know, I, uh, Abdul Carter's a guy, you know, his very first snap, <laughs> He made an impact getting ejected um, on a, I thought, right. a pretty bad targeting call. But, you know, he made his presence known. Um, Curtis Jacobs, we've been seeing for a, a, um, a long while. This is his fourth year. Um, I felt like he really came on in the second half of the season. Something clicked for him. And all of a sudden, you started just seeing him make plays, running downhill. He, I mean, he was... Not only was he playing strong, but he was playing fast and he was playing angry, <laughs> you know. And I remember there are a yeah. couple of plays um, in the Rose Bowl where it's just like, oh my gosh, like Curtis Jacobs is going to kill somebody, and like that's <laughs> you know, that's yeah. what you want to see out of your linebackers, you know. And um, I, I don't know that it's been talked about enough just how important it is that that Curtis Jacobs came back. Um, hopefully, it's really good for him and his future, but it's really good for Penn State and our season and the fact that he's coming in having figured out what he figured out last year. And then, you know, he and Abdul Carter can, um, you know, strong side, weak side, um, just, I, I agree with you. I mean, like you're talking some of the classic Penn state linebacking core potential this year. And, um, I'm really, I mean, there's nothing better, I think, than, than watching, uh, you know, a, a rabid crew of linebackers just shut down a team. You just, you know, just Andy, harass a team, uh, just lock yeah, it down. You know, course. you just, you just you should love to see it. And I, that's what I'm looking forward well, to. Well, that's what year, Manny Diaz sure. is. It, that's what Manny Diaz majors in is being disruptive. And as a linebacker coach, you know, he's going to dial up all kinds of things for those guys. So another thing that people don't may, may not realize about Curtis Jacobs, by the way, is he started, um, you know, the year as like filling in for, for, for Mike, you know, Micah Parsons position, um, which is the disruptor position, which is the, the, the near side, um, uh, the short side of the field, you know, uh, on ball as they say. And, and, but once Abdul Carter started getting some reps, they started realizing that Abdul Carter was better suited to play that role. And basically Curtis Jacobs, who waited his turn to, to be that guy, that next elite, you know, disruptor linebacker for LBU, he basically took a demotion as the senior, you know, the senior guy, you know, in the, in the group and went back to his old, uh, you know, um, the, the long side of the field, the, the field linebacker, the one that like drops in coverage more. So it, it you know, that's really selfless for a guy who basically um, you essentially reduce your value to, to a, you know, the NFL draft and NFL teams by doing that. So truly selfless. And, you know, he took it in stride and I, I've listened to a couple of interviews with him, stand up guy, basically, you know, a, a Penn state um, linebacker through and through team first mentality. And uh, you know, he came back even knowing that he wasn't going to be that guy yet again. 
All right. I'd like to switch uh, to the defensive backfield. And, um, you know, this is an interesting unit because a couple of years ago, um, we were pulling out our hair at how many times uh, the defensive backfield gave up uh, a third and long pass or, you know, just let a dagger pass go through the middle. And, um, you know, last year, this was a lockdown unit, uh, and except for maybe one or two moments. Uh, important moments, so they were. This was a lockdown unit. You had star power across the board. Um, a couple of those stars are now gone, but you know, you really felt like the pass defense was the strength of the team last year. And um, you know, I, I, there's an expectation. I hate to say it that that kind of play is going to continue. And uh, we have the 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 horses to to make it happen again this year. Um, let's start with the cornerbacks. Um, we have projected starters of, uh, and again, the proviso is like starters in air quotes in a lot of respects, but you've got Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, and Daquan Hardy, the nickelback. Um, Kalen King's a guy that he's being talked about as the best cover corner in the country. And he's going to be on our team on the defensive side. Um, Johnny Dixon is pretty darn good as well. He really seemed to uh, come on last year. And, and then Daquan Hardy's been around a while. Didn't have the best of years last year, but he's been really good in the past. And I'm hearing good things about him again. Um, key backup cornerback Cam Miller. And then we got some interesting freshmen that are making some noise as well. Um, Elliot Washington and Zion Tracy. Um what do you think about these cornerbacks, bro? Well, I mean, first of all, Kalen King definitely performed at an elite level last year, um, opposite Joey Porter Jr. Um, so he saw a ton of action and most definitely past stood breakups tall. in the country. No, second, second most, second, second most. Teen. I, I, I think most, it was the most whatever. in power five. I think it was most in power five is the designation of that. Okay, um, but anyway, that's but, a lot. So, so, yeah, sure. Of course. You know, and Joey Porter Jr., you know, for the first part of the season was leading the country in pass breaks. I think he had eight in the Purdue game alone. And so they after just stopped that, throwing I think his way. Stopped, they stopped throwing yeah. his way and Kalen King started getting all the action. And so he had to, you know, put on his big boy shoes and and, and stand up to all that kind of uh, attention. And he lived up to the, the task of, of locking down um, nearly every receiver. Now, in the Ohio State game, um, you would have thought that Joey Porter Jr. would have covered Marvin Harrison, but but uh, that was kind of more Kalen King um, was was tasked with doing some of that, not every play, but um, that may have been possibly his weakest game from a lockdown standpoint. But when you fast forward the season uh, through the season to the bowl game in the Rose Bowl, I mean, with a national audience and, and, and you know the granddaddy of them all. He put on a show. He was hitting hard. He was beating blocks. He was intercepting plays, going horizontal, aerially, and like it was. It put him. On, it put him on the map certainly for uh, his first round. Um, you know, expectations in the draft uh, from what he what he could be. He could be this year uh, from a performance standpoint. I think what everybody is looking forward to is that Ohio State game and Kalen King, Marvin Harrison, the rematch. 
They both have t- <laughs> right. talked about it, traded traded tweets about it. No, um, no kidding. In the off season. So that's crazy. Oh yeah. So no, nothing, nothing that was like you know um, off color or anything like that. There was no, no nothing dirty. It was just more of like a professional, like uh, courtesy type of of like, hey, you know, this, let's let's see what we both can do again. Best first best. And and so that's going to be really exciting to see. Um, but as far as the the rest of them, you know, the rest of the cornerback room is apparently so good that it pushed out a an incoming transfer in less than you know six months. Storm Duck came in from North Carolina as an all SC all ACC uh, cornerback and already transferred by the end of spring um, out of out of the cornerback Penn State cornerback room because I don't think they were able to promise him any kind of starting playing time because Daquan Hardy locked in apparently better than Storm Duck. Uh, you know, Johnny Dixon locked in, apparently better than Storm Duck. And Kalen King, obviously bona fide, you know, he's he's your he's your number one. He's your stud. And no one's taking reps from him, that's for sure. So so I think, you know, that's a great indication of, of how deep this cornerback room is, is that the only you know, slot they had for him was just above the the incoming freshman and redshirt freshman. <laughs> so you know yeah. that's that's a really good indication in my mind of, of what the cornerback room is capable of doing. And I think Johnny Dixon has the, the uh, uh, you know opportunity to be possibly like that Kalen King of last year, who's going to see a lot of work and be able to show his talents on the field every Saturday. Now, of course, alongside the cornerbacks, you've got the safeties who are uh, a critical part of that pass defense. And um, here again, we we had a um, a pretty significant loss with um, Jair Brown. Um, you know, he's now um, getting action at the NFL level, but. Um, uh, right behind him, you had Keaton Ellis, who played a lot of football, uh, Jalen Reed playing a lot of football, Zachy Wheatley, a new guy, uh, tur- turnover king, like, you know, um, and then uh, Kevin Winston Jr., four guys that are, um, you know, g- going to be seeing a lot of time. Probably Keaton Ellis um, is is going to be your your leader of that group, the most likely starter. Um, Zachy Wheatley, Jalen Reed, who knows between the two of them, uh, you know, one of them may have a few more snaps than another, but very strong uh, safety room as well. And then some really interesting looking young guys, uh, King Mac, Mecky Flowers, um, you Mackay. know, guys. Mackay to- Flowers. Mackay, sorry. I- yeah, we'll get it. Makai Flowers, and um, <laughs> yep. a- anywho, um, y- you know, you've got some really interesting talent uh, in the freshman ranks coming in to, to, you know, push for playing time as well. Uh, thoughts about the safeties, bro? Uh, yeah, so honestly, I think this is the most intriguing and exciting position group for me um, because I think they're – all these safeties, Keaton Ellis, you know, newly named um, captain, is a, is a true senior hometown state college kid. Um, you know, he, he's going to carry the mantle uh, as the the captain and, and the you know the quarterback of the safeties back there. Um, but you know, th- these guys that are going to be like you know second and third and fourth string, so to speak, um, uh, or, or, or number you know number two, number three, number four safeties. However, you, we're going to be rotating these guys. 
often. And they each kind of provide a different skill set. Like Zachy Wheatley, as you outlined, turnover king two springs ago. Uh, and and, he, and he, you know, he lived up to it in the first game against Purdue. He forced a turnover that was critical in the game that really helped kind of seal, not seal the deal, but, you know, get us to, to, to the win. And, you know, with a, with a full year uh, of rotation last year under his belt, um, he's going to see a lot more work. And I'm eager to see if he, he's going to continue Continue that that turnover prowess that he's got, and then KJ Winston uh, uh, is it KJ Winston Jr. Yeah, so he he is um, is it a junior? Or am I just making that up? I, I don't even know. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, uh, he, no, Kevin Winston Jr. is a sophomore. Yeah, okay, so I, I was right. So so he he's a junior, he's really, but you know because his dad is also Kevin Winston, right? But gotcha. His eligibility he, is a sophomore. He seems to be. He seems to be a dude who who's ready to come up and make a hard hit. Like like I think you know we used to, used to use the term like he's a headhunter. You know he's he's that ball yeah. hawking safety. You know ready to you know light someone up across the middle of the field. He he flashed last year when he got some limited action, and you know I think he's been working on transforming his body and getting faster, getting bigger, getting stronger, and 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 you know becoming more adept at playing against these you know. Uh, blue collar, smash mouth, you know, Big Ten types of offenses, and I, you know, that that excites me that we can have one of those like hard hitting, um, you know, safeties back there because for as great as uh, Tig Brown was, he was disruptive in a lot of ways. Um, you know, he kind of did miss some tackles here and there. Um, not to you know throw any shade his way, but but. You know, I think uh, KJ Winston has a, um, a a little bit better nose for the ball when it comes to tackling, and he can wrap up and really knock someone out. So I'm really excited about this group, and I think they got a lot to prove because they're all, you know, stepping into these new uh, larger rotational roles. Yeah, and and you know that prowler position, which um, you know was introduced by Manny Diaz last year. And uh, some of it, you wonder, you know, was it because we were having trouble with the run game because the defensive tackle position wasn't where we wanted to be, kind of be more disruptive and unpredictable? Um, you know, Tig Brown did play that position. What what are they going to do with that this year? Are they going to keep it? Will it be filled by one of these safeties like, you know, Kevin Winston Jr., like you were just talking about? Will it be a cornerback? Will it even be one of our athletic linebackers who can do great in coverage as well? Um, you know, how will that shake up this year? Um, you know, will one of these safeties adapt like um, take, you know, for me, it was like, it's a little bit of a risk to take your safety and put them that far down and uh, to, yeah. to do that with them. Right. You know, and like, and, and Tig Brown was a guy. Who, well, that's how much I trusted the rest of the backfield. Well, that's true, but they also trusted Tig Brown and his leadership and his football smarts to play that position. Well, yeah, well I'll, I'll be curious to see what they, what they do with that position. Well, Interestingly enough, Andy, at one point in the season, Johnny Dixon had the most sacks on the team. So he huh. might be a guy who could step into interesting. that role. So interesting. Not impossible. And Daquan Hardy, also a, a, a veteran, a veteran player for Penn State who who has been asked to do a lot and and continues to, to you know step up uh, and and work hard and and be a, a critical piece of this defense. Uh, we can't forget Daquan Hardy here. Uh, he could also be that guy potentially. Well, as we come to the end of this um, you know preview of this year's defense, uh, I want to just go back to some of those expectations again. And you know, this has got me. 
to me, it's, it's really put a very fine point on the idea that this year's defense should be at least as good as last year's defense. And, you know, let's just remind ourselves about last year's defense, okay? They were the number 17 total defense in the country. That is in terms of um, yards allowed, all right? They were also the number 10 scoring defense in the country. That's a top 10 defense uh, preventing scoring. We were... We allowed only 18.23 points per game last year. Do you know who the number nine defense was in scoring defense? Do Alabama. I know? No. It was Alabama. All right. And Alabama only allowed one less point than we did all season. Like, we had an Alabama caliber defense last year. And then we were the number two passing efficiency defense last year. And that's sort of a combination of yards allowed, passes allowed, uh, interceptions. It, it sort of um, is a next-gen stat for you know pass efficiency, like what you allow uh, the other quarterback to do. So um, that was we were the number two team in the country on that measure. And I, I think we have the opportunity to be at least as good. The big question is, can we improve? And not only statistically, but in Manny Diaz's second year at Penn State, can we, you know, avoid that sophomore slump, first of all? You know, can we ratchet it up even more? But do we have what it takes in those biggest moments, like say the last nine minutes of the Ohio State game? or the second half of the Michigan game, do we have what it takes in those biggest moments against the best teams to go toe-to-toe and shut them down? Well, again, Andy, I really think it comes down to um, you know, the experience that the, that that defense has and the star power that that defense has and the leadership from the coaching staff that that defense has. I mean, all the pieces are in place. And and. With the the fact that our biggest leaders are gone, that, that what that means is there's a, a there is a way there there is space for th- this team to put um, you know the DNA of these players into leadership roles and this defense defining themselves as a new type of defense compared to last year and take themselves to the next step without relying on, you know, the senior guys from from last year. They could really just be like, "Hey, let's make this team ours. Let's make this defense better." And and they and these new leaders get get to step up into these new roles and define what type of defense this is. And again, I think all the pieces are there from the star power at every level on this defense, depth-wise and starter-wise, and from all the positional coach um all the positional coaches as well, including Manny Diaz being back for his second year. I mean, it's all we had a couple of we had a couple of we had a couple of really um, really strong defensive games against some of the you know teams in our conference that that struggled Um, you know Rutgers uh, Maryland we shut them out um, for example you know and I expect we're going to do the same Um, but against the the teams with the better offenses Purdue for example and especially Michigan and Ohio State. We struggled. Now, that Purdue game, that was the first game. That was Manny Diaz's first game. So maybe give him a pass. I'd be curious to know what would happen if we played Purdue at the end of the season. But, you know, Ohio State, I hate to keep coming back to this game, but Ohio State, we, of course, um, were in it up to the last nine minutes. 
Uh, Sean Clifford uh, turned the ball over with a fumble, um, and that the very next play, uh, Ohio State scored a touchdown. And we were down by six points at that point. We had to punt the ball in the next possession, and then we had an opportunity. Six points, five minutes on the game, and we let Ohio State – We, you know, here's the thing. We had held their passing attack all game. We had frustrated them and stymied them all game. And on that drive, they had passes of like 20, 30, 40-plus yards, and they got a touchdown on that drive. That was the backbreaker right there. You know, can we – we're going to the horseshoe, horseshoe this year. Can we go into the horseshoe, increase the level of difficulty because we're we're – you know, at Ohio State's stadium. Can we go in and have the performance that plays all 60 minutes? Better than that, can we have the, you know, like JTT and his two turnovers against Sean Clifford last year, can we do that against their new starting quarterback this year? Can our defensive line, can our outside linebackers, can can we get that turnover, that strip sack, that pick six? Can we make what happened uh, to Ohio State uh, what happened to us last year happened to Ohio State this year. Do you think we have it? I know we have it, actually. The thing is, the thing is can we do it? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Here's what can I we keep, do it? I want to see it. <laughs> here's what I keep picturing in my head. I, I'm picturing, you know, Ohio State uh, leading into our game. I think the two best teams they'll play um, are um, Notre Dame and Wisconsin. Um and from from my perspective, and I think a lot of other you know people's perspective, the Notre Dame defense and the Wisconsin defense is not the Penn State defense. They, they do not have the depth and the star power that, that we have. They do not have a, a, a Manny Diaz uh, defensive coordinator. Um, and I, I'm picturing being in the horseshoe. Ohio State has a has a, a new quarterback going up against you know a top ten team and likely very likely a six and top ten team possibly top five team at that point depending on how the the rest of the national picture shakes out could be a, two, a top five matchup. Picture this you know new quarterback whether it's you know De, you know Devin Brown or uh, Kyle McCord whoever ends up winning the starting job. Ryan Day has not announced that yet. Um, that is more of a true quarterback competition than I believe the Penn State quarterback competition is um but ohio Ohio state lost um two uh key offensive linemen to the draft and they'll be breaking in some new offensive linemen and new quarterback you know granted they have some other you know great pieces skill position wise but but i keep picturing our defensive ends Rattling this this new quarterback. Oh a, man, I would love you know, to a see de- it. A, def- a swarming defense that he has that they haven't seen yet this season in their own house, and the and the the Ohio State crowd being hushed every time. Oh man, we we, oh, we either you know just let it be true, disrupt their. The, <laughs> yeah. And how is a how is a new quarterback going to respond in their own house when they start? Feeling, you know, the un- unrest of the crowd against, uh, you know, a, an overwhelming Penn State defense that that is hungry to beat Ohio State, you know, in their home turf for the first time in over a decade. So I that's mean, what I would I just love. I would love the like the piling on of the defensive plays that 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 just sort of 
take the wind out of the sails. I think this is I think this is a team that can do that, and I would love to see it. I, the other big one, of course, is Michigan. I'm they're coming into Beaver Stadium. It's gonna be raucous. It's gonna be loud. And you know what? This defense is. You guarantee you, this defense wants to get that the bad taste out of their mouth of what Michigan did to them last year. They're going to come in gunning to shut them down and um, return the favor of what Michigan did last year. Do you think we have what it takes to stop that rushing attack of Michigan? I, I, I believe we do. I really do. I believe, especially with that game being in Beaver Stadium, um, albeit a noon kickoff, big noon kickoff with Fox. Is it big? Um, I, I really... I. I really believe how that, big that is it? We have <laughs> uh, the second biggest in the country next to Michigan, by the way. Very, um, very, I really, very good. I can see it. I really can see this defensive uh, line, um, you know, standing up to the task and the, and these linebackers plugging the holes and these, and these hard hitting safeties, you know, stepping up to, to, you know, shore up any missed tackles. I, I think that, that, that we can do it. I think Manny Diaz I mean, is hungry. I think Manny Diaz is hungry to rectify his mistakes from last year, uh, this yeah. his mistakes from last year. Well, I think what's interesting is we can allow 200 yards rushing against Michigan and call it a major improvement over last year. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I, man, I hope we can. I hope we can hold them to you know 125 yards on the ground. I think that would be great. But um, you know, I would say those two. Uh, obviously, you got to play the other 10 games, right? But those are the two games that are going to really show how far this defense has come. You know, uh, is it going to be a game wrecking, game changing kind of defense? The great Penn State defenses of the past were able to do that. And um, we're going to get a chance to see it real soon. Um, bro, that's all we've got for our defensive preview. Um, any last words? I mean, I just I think this is going to be a, a a defensive, you know, this is a defensive team. I think I think the defense is going to carry this team. I think in the in the in the biggest moments, um, you know, offense does shine and, and can steal the thunder. But I think a true Penn State fans will recognize that this defense is going to be the reason that we win eleven or twelve games this year. I can't wait to see it, man. Um, friends, thanks for listening to us. Please remember to share Blue and White Brothers with your friends. Um, write a review. Give us a rating. Hey, don't forget to send us an email. We'd love to answer your mailbag questions, Brothers at gmail.com. That'll be it for us with this episode. Uh, join us next time while we preview the special teams. Until next time, it always starts with I love you. And it ends with I love you. Love you, bro. We are Penn State. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 